called This is Layman to Leaders, a podcast where we explain the fundamental principles of leadership described as character, conviction, and competency. I'm Raul Perez, and I'm with Ethan Doyle, Jack Nornberg, and today we will be d discussing the importance of character in the life of the leader. So I think that a good question that we should be asking ourselves is what is character? And when talking about character, we're talking about the person's nature. We're referring to the person's nature. For example, when we're talking about character in leadership, we believe that a leader in its nature should be a decision maker, a morally correct person, or a friendly person. In its nature, a leader should contain good qualities that validate their leadership. A more detailed answer is offered by Robert R. Drovdahl in his article on how time and Christian leadership are constantly changing. He says, Frank Damasio defines character as the sum total of all the negative and positive qualities of a person's life exemplified by one's thoughts, values, motivations, attitudes, feelings, and actions. So in Christian leadership, we can see that character, the character of a leader, holds a great amount of importance. For example, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, we can see that when Paul urges Timothy and Titus to look for other leaders, he talks about character, spiritual qualities, as the basis for their search. As Paul David Tripp states in his book, Lead, uh, when referring to these texts in scripture, he says, what should strike every leader about this list of leader qualities, the thing that jumps off the page is that above everything else, you could want in a leader, God values character. And this, these qualities, spiritual qualities, involve in, is, is part of all aspects of life. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders in his book, Spiritual Leadership, he defines these characteristics or qualities in four different ways. Social, moral, mental, and domestic. A leader should be above reproach to those around him. That's socially. He's a social. Uh, a leader should live in a morally correct way. A leader should use his mind for the things of God and the good of others. And, mold, and a leader should also be an example in their households. So these characteristics are crucial for leadership. It is for God as well. And although we see that the Bible shows us what the character of a leader should be, uh, we have seen that in recent times, the church has decided to choose leaders based on their competency rather than their character. They usually, when looking for a leader, they, they can think or say, we're looking for a leader with a good personality. We're looking for a, a leader that has great charisma. We're looking for a leader that is an outspoken person. We're looking for a leader that seems mature or has a theological degree. Uh, and those are things that we, the church has constantly think about choosing a leader. However, this is not to say that competency is not important. Competency in ministry is important. But when competency is placed above character, we are disobeying the command of scripture and we disobey God's desire for leadership. When a leader and when a leader is placed in a leadership role and they're not ready to be in that role, it will be detrimental for those that uh, the leader is leading. It will be detrimental to the church. So, and this is dangerous. Even Paul affirmed this. He says in 1 Timothy 5.22 to Timothy, do not be hasty in the laying on, on of hands, 
Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So the main idea is that leadership does not rely solely on what you do, but on who you are in public and in private. Someone may be the best person to do the work of a leader, but perhaps it's not spiritual, spiritually mature to do so. In this case, such a person should not be placed in ministry, although they have important assets of leadership. For example, let's consider a good leader or CEO in, that we can see in, in, in our culture, such as Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos. Imagine that they become a Christian. We, we know that they have good leadership qualities. They have successful companies to back their leadership qualities. They, they have successful companies that prove that they're good leaders. They, they can uh, lead others to do uh, good and to follow them and to ha ha be successful. So the question is, because of the leadership gifts that these leaders have, the question is, can they be automatically leaders in the church? The response will be no. They can't be leaders in the church uh, because Christian leadership is not only about what you can do, but about who you are. This is why Paul wrote these words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, 6, uh, talking about who not to put on, on a leadership role. He says, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And we can ask ourselves again, why Paul write these? Why will Paul write these words? And I and I. There's a better quote, and there's Robert R. Drovdahl says, Who and what we are as leaders is a direct reflection of the one we follow. So if as leaders we are to imitate Christ, if we are not following Christ in our daily lives, in our character, when, then we should not be leaders. And, and yeah, that's how uh, the church, sadly, has not think about leadership in that way. And I think there should be a, a change in that. Uh, in that, in uh, how we look at leadership. So that's the main idea of what character and leadership is. So now we're going to be looking at how uh, in the Bible we see uh, character. And we're going to look at the person of David. We're going to look at his greatness, but as well we're going to look at his flaws and what can, we can learn about it. So Ethan, uh, what we can learn about David on leadership, uh, especially on how he did so in a great way. Yeah, so David is legendary for many things. This ranges from his heroic killing of Goliath to his incredible writing of the Psalms. And while these accomplishments are certainly a prominent aspect of who David was, what interested me the most was the man behind all the feats. Who David was as a person, what he was like, and what made David uniquely David. If you look at the Bible, you'll see that David was such a unique individual that Jewish history records him as being bestowed by God with a title that was so unique it was not said about anyone else in history. That title was that David was a man after God's own heart. So what was it about David that made him kind of the stalwart bastion of upright moral character to be looked upon for millennia to come? Well, in my research, I found two key attributes of who David was. Firstly, David was humble. And secondly, David was a man of integrity. Let me unpack these statements quickly. So David was humble. David never thought more of himself than he actually was. When God said that he would put a member of David's household on the throne for forever, David said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And again, when Saul offered to let David marry his daughter, David's initial response was, Who am I, 
And who are my relatives that I should be son-in-law to the king? This leads me to another point about David. David knew that he was weak. The best example of this would be in his fight against Goliath. David never thought that he, in his own strength, could win. Instead, he relied on God for his strength. And this leads into another important distinction of David. David recognized God. David knew God and understood God's presence in his life as demonstrated in Psalm 139. And this understanding of God leads to yet another important characteristic of David. David was repentant. David understood his sin and, when he faced it, was quick to admit his faults and ask God for repentance. This is most notably seen in 2 Samuel 12:13, when he addressed the sin he had committed with Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah, and the attempted cover-up. And this leads to my second attribute of David. David was a man of integrity. The best example of this is his devotion to God. David was reverent, faithful, devoted, and obedient to all that God had commanded. We see this happening in David's life from boyhood when he was out in the field shepherding. He was praising God, all the way through to when he was king. And we see David rejoicing before the Lord in 1 Chronicles 29, 10-20. Above all, though, David was faithful. When he sinned, as mentioned above with Bathsheba, Uriah, and the entire conspiracy, David turned to God. While other leaders like Saul, and frankly, most other leaders stretching throughout biblical history, all the way from Adam to Saul, tried to deny their guilt or just ignore it, David instead turned to God. David was intentional to keep his faith, and this is an act of integrity that requires devoted to obedience to God. Amen. Certainly we can learn about David, how he was humble, he was a man of integrity, and how we can learn. Uh, and we can apply it to our life. So, so Jack, what can we learn now looking more at David's flaws? What can we see in the Bible uh, referring about that? Yeah, Ethan hit it right on the nail. He is definitely a legendary figure in the Bible in many aspects. And he even he mentioned it. Even the Bible says that he's a man after God's own heart. But we cannot overlook David's flaws as a leader and especially his character flaws. In one story, he is lusting after Bathsheba. In Second Samuel 11, and in that same passage, he's he's a widowmaker. Then again, in First Chronicles 21, he deliberately disobeys God and takes a census, and a plague falls over them. In these stories, we not only see David sinning in huge ways, but we see God giving grace in even mightier ways. David was a man after God's own heart because the grace of God allowed him to repent and turn to God. It is because of God's grace that he is humble and a man of integrity. We also see all throughout the Psalms that David repented and regrets what he did, and that's because of the grace of God that he did that. David was no perfect man, and in reality, there is no perfect leader. But when we recognize our sin, repent and turn away just as David did in these stories, that is how God turns broken people into marvelous leaders. Mm. Amen, brother. Well, earlier this week, I was given the chance to interview a leader who can provide us with a more pragmatic understanding of leadership. Today, I'm with James Craigenbring, who is the Senior Vice President for Institutional Administration and the Assistant Professor of Business and Christian Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Thank you for joining me today, Mr. Craigenbring. As you know, today's podcast is dedicated to understanding what is the character of a leader. To begin, would you mind defining for us the character of a leader? Well, yes and no. Uh, on one hand, we can, and on the other hand, we we can't. In one sense, we can't, and that's the sense where you take character to mean traits. 
There's historically a school of thought and leadership theory that what defines a leader is the traits that that leader has. And so people who are smart and handsome and tall and those things are people who are leaders. In that sense, we can't define it because that school of leadership has, has largely been abandoned. Uh, I do think, though, that we can define character in another sense, in the sense of, of moral rectitude. Uh, and I think we can do that just largely by saying that, that the character that people desire in their leaders is the character that's outlined in Scripture. That by and large, the, the morality that is articulated in Scripture is the morality that we expect of our leaders. It is true that people are increasingly willing to capitulate, that, that for the last 30 or 40 years, people have increasingly accepted the idea that there's a difference between what someone is privately and what they are publicly. And yet there's nobody saying, well, boy, you know, that guy sure cheats on his wife a lot, but he's a great leader. Or there's nobody saying, boy, she steals from the company a lot, but she's a really great leader. It turns out then that the leaders that people admire most are in fact leaders who, whether they're Christians or not, largely live their lives by the principles of moral conduct that, that we share. Given we live in a reality where people are not perfect and they are prone to sin or have moral failures, what are some potential red flags you might look for in someone's character to indicate that they might be a bad leader? Yeah, I mean, in, in the real world, nobody's perfect, right? So, I mean, there's there's no possibility that you can have a, a perfect leader. For me, there are two things that are just red flags or deal killers with, with any leader, uh, and they're lying and stealing. Uh, those are just the two things that, that you can't fix. Um, liars tend to continue to lie, and thieves tend to continue to steal. And oftentimes, those two things go together. That, that people steal by lying and they, they lie by stealing. Mm. Um, so those are really the two things that in my career I just have, have always had a zero tolerance policy on and it's kept me in, in good stead. Uh, if you lie, if you steal, you're gone. And to ask kind of the opposite of my question, when hiring someone for a leadership role, what are certain traits that you might be looking for to indicate that their character they would become a good leader with yeah so leadership is really contextual and different senior leaders are going to have different answers to that question uh there, there's no one you know trait that i think every leader would would agree on as being you know essential or indicative of of a great leader uh having said that in the cultures that i've tried to build in my career both in the for-profit world and and also here at midwestern there have really kind of been three things that have differentiated people once we get beyond core principles of Christian conduct. Uh, the first one of those is, is intelligence, particularly self-reflective intelligence. Uh, that is a, a kind of the secret sauce of, of success in working in the cultures that I've tried to, to build. Uh, the second one is work ethic. Uh, and by that, I mean people who really distinguish themselves by valuing the product of their work and and are willing to sacrifice to make that happen. That usually works best when people love the mission, right? I mean, they, 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 it usually works best when they're just animated by, by what they do. So here at Midwestern, I built a division uh, which is defined by loving the product. I mean, people love 
biblically educating God called men and women to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the church. And so that motivates them. And when you motivate someone with mission as well as an intrinsic work ethic, you end up with, with a great leader. The third thing is communication. Um, I would argue that that's one that almost all leaders have to be good communicators. Uh, but for me, you know, in, in my division, that is, is one that I, I really seek. Uh, and it, it's one of the kind of the secret sauces of success in the cultures uh, that, that I've tried to build. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Mr. Craig and Brent. Glad to be with you. Well, now that we have discussed the, discussed the main idea of what character is, and we have seen the greatness and the flaws of uh, David, now I want to like discuss two final applicational questions. Uh, one focusing on a current leader that is now a pastor in a church or a leader in the church, and a future leader, someone that is looking to be a pastor and is preparing themselves. So the first question, um, how can a Christian leader or how can Christian leaders protect their churches and their ministries from distorted or underdeveloped versions of leadership as seen in the characters we have covered today? Yeah, so I think that the uh, safest way to guard against an underdeveloped or distorted leader is to simply recognize God. If we look at David, David had his heart firmly set on God. This provided him with a solid foundation for leadership as well as a true north, if you will, a clear and constant direction in which he could head. And this seems to me to be one of the best ways to protect churches and or ministries from potential shortcomings in a leader. For current leaders, I would honestly just say submerge yourself in the word, submerge yourself in prayer because what that leader does in his private life and in his quiet time really shows in the pulpit and I just think that's a big aspect is prayer and and reading the word yeah amen I think that if a pastor is fully involved in thinking about the gospel and lives the gospel and preaches the gospel it will give a great perspective about give a great perspective that leadership is not upon me or upon the leader is upon God of what God has done through Christ so yeah I think that if we recognize God the God that saved us and we recognize the word that talks about how God saved us uh, it can help us uh, as leaders so for future leaders what character trait uh, should they be working on while they prepare themselves for ministry and what character traits they should be aware to not look at or pursue so for the first part of that question, I think a trait that all leaders need to aspire is just to love people. Um, leading the flock, being an under-shepherd under God's authority is really just about love and loving people and loving God. And if you have trouble with that, then get on your hands and knees and, and ask God to help you love people because that's a big part of this ministry. And just for the second part of that question, just in terms of David and what we should be aware of, I would say ambition. I don't think ambition is a sin, and it's not a sin, but there's a fine line where you can touch to where you're doing it for your own glory and when you're doing it for the kingdom. And we just see in David's life, he is he's an ambitious man. He's an ambitious king. And in the first half, he is ambitious for God's glory, but later it's it's really his downfall, his ambition. So that's what I would say. 
Yeah, kind of to review what I was saying earlier, um, David was humble, but more than just that, David was a man of integrity and sincerity. And these, I believe, go hand in hand. Humility, as noted by J. Oswald Sanders, is one of the essential qualities of a true leader. Sanders goes so far as to say that humility is a hallmark of the spiritual leader. Additionally, Sanders notes that integrity and sincerity are vital aspects of a leader. Sanders quotes a prominent businessman who once said, If I had to name the most important quality of a top manager, I would say it's personal integrity. And so kind of to ask the opposite of your question, Raul, and answer it, traits that someone should not touch while preparing themselves for ministry are, quite frankly, the opposite of humility, sincerity, and integrity. I think the opposite of those would be pride, um, practicing ungenuine interactions with people, and just dishonest interactions. Yeah, amen. It is our prayer that we as future leaders can grow on that and that current leaders can uh, grow on that as well. So, well, thank you for joining us today on Layman to Leaders. I'm Raul Perez. Ethan Doyle. Jack Nornberg. We will see you next week as we will be discussing the importance of conviction in the life of the leader.